I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. In today's reading, we'll be looking at Ezra chapters 7 through 10. Chapter 7, verse 1. Now after these things, in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra the son of Saraiah, the son of Azariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Shalom, the son of Zadok, the son of Ahitub, the son of Amariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Meraioth, the son of Zerahiah, the son of Uzziah, the son of Buckai, the son of Abishua, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the chief priest. This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. And there went up some of the children of Israel, and of the priests, and of the Levites, and the singers, and the porters, and the Nethnims, unto Jerusalem in the seventh year of Artaxerxes the king. And he came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king. For upon the first day of the month began he to go up from Babylon, and on the first day of the fifth month came he to Jerusalem, according to the good hand of his God upon him. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Now this is the copy of the letter that the king Artaxerxes gave unto Ezra the priest, the scribe, even a scribe of the words of the commandments of the Lord, and of his statutes to Israel. Artaxerxes, king of kings, unto Ezra the priest, a scribe of the law of the God of heaven, perfect peace, and at such a time. I make a decree that all they of the people of Israel and of his priests and Levites in my realm, which are minded of their own free will, to go up to Jerusalem, go with thee. For as much as thou art sent of the king and of his seven counselors to inquire concerning Judah and Jerusalem, according to the law of thy God which is in thine hand, and to carry the silver and gold which the king and his counselors have freely offered unto the God of Israel, whose habitation is in Jerusalem, and all the silver and gold that thou canst find in all the province of Babylon, with the freewill offering of the people and of the priests, offering willingly for the house of their God which is in Jerusalem, that thou mayest buy speedily with this money bullocks, rams, lambs, with their meat offerings and their drink offerings, and offer them upon the altar of the house of your God which is in Jerusalem. And whatsoever shall seem good to thee and to thy brethren, to do with the rest of the silver and the gold, that do after the will of your God. The vessels also that are given thee for the service of the house of thy God, those deliver thou before the God of Jerusalem. And whatsoever more shall be needful for the house of thy God, which thou shalt have occasion to bestow, bestow it out of the king's treasure house. And I, even I, Artaxerxes the king, do make a decree to all the treasurers, which are beyond the river, that whatsoever Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of God of heaven, shall require of you, it be done speedily. Unto an hundred talents of silver, and to an hundred measures of wheat, 
and to an hundred baths of wine, and to an hundred baths of oil, and sought without prescribing how much. Whatsoever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be diligently done for the house of the God of heaven. For why should there be wrath against the realm of the king and his sons? Also we certify you that touching any of the priests and Levites, singers, porters, nethanims, or ministers of this house of God, it shall not be lawful to impose toll, tribute, or custom upon them. And thou, Ezra, after the wisdom of thy God that is in thine hand, set magistrates and judges, which may judge all the people that are beyond the river, all such as know the laws of thy God, and teach ye them that know them not. And whosoever will not do the law of thy God, and the law of the king, let judgment be executed speedily upon him, whether it be into death, or to banishment, or to confiscation of goods, or to imprisonment. Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, which hath put such a thing as this in the king's heart, to beautify the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem, and hath extended mercy unto me before the king and his counselors, and before all the king's mighty princes. And I was strengthened as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me, and I gathered together out of Israel chief men to go up with me. This chapter 7 begins with Ezra's ancestral link back to Aaron. This list of ancestors is abbreviated when you compare it to Ezra's list found in 1 Chronicles chapter 6, verses 1-14. through 14. After these things, the quotation there speaks of the completion and dedication of the temple in 515 B.C. Ezra rolls into town, and he has a letter in hand from the new king of Persia. Most Bible historians have concluded that this new king is Artaxerxes I, making the date of Ezra's arrival around 458 B.C. This most commonly held view indicates a gap of almost 60 years between chapters 6 and 7 of the book of Ezra. Since Ezra is a scribe, he's well versed in the law of Moses. He shows up to teach the people of Judah God's way after a 111-day trip from Babylon. While line of sight from Babylon to Jerusalem is only around 500 miles, the route taken back then was northwest along the Euphrates and then south to Jerusalem, about a 900-mile trip. Needless to say, that took much of the fun out of travel back then. We'll notice in chapter 8 that there was a significant mass of people, along with property, that traveled with Ezra to back to Jerusalem. With this letter from the king in chapter 7, Ezra is given significant authority and resources to do the job. We see those in verses 19-24. Notice what verse 23 says, Whatsoever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be diligently done for the house of the God of heaven, for why should there be wrath against the realm of the king and his sons? Historians tell us that there was a rebellion brewing down in Egypt in 460 B.C., and that the king was trying to appease the factions who might have any influence over Israel at that time. This verse shows us that the king didn't want to make the God of Israel angry, so he rose out the red carpet for, the, for Ezra and his countrymen. Oh, and uh, here's another political move to get the Jewish leadership behind the Persian king's efforts in verse 24. Make the religious leadership and temple servants, the Nethanims, tax-exempt. That's the good clergy news right there. Verse 26 is the lawyer buster verse, and it says, And whosoever will not do the law of thy God and the law of the king, let judgment be executed 
speedily upon him, whether it be in the death or the banishment or the confiscation of goods or to imprisonment. In other words, if you don't like what Ezra's doing, well, you better like what Ezra's doing. Chapter 8. Who are these folks who return? A lot of names in this chapter, beginning with verse 1. These are now the chief of their fathers, and this is the genealogy of them that went up with me from Babylon in the reign of Artaxerxes the king. Of the sons of Phinehas, Gershom. Of the sons of Ithamar, Daniel. Of the sons of David, Hattush. Of the sons of Shechaniah. Of the sons of Pharosh, Zechariah. And with him were reckoned by genealogy of the males in a hundred and fifty. Of the sons of Pahath Moab, Eliaha Enai, the son of Zerahiah, and with him two hundred males. Of the sons of Shechaniah, the son of Jehaziel, and with him three hundred males. Of the sons of Aden, Ebed, the son of Jonathan, and with him fifty males. And of the sons of Elam, Jesheah, the son of Athaliah, and with him seventy males. And of the sons of Shephatiah, Zebediah, the son of Michael, and with him fourscore males. Of the sons of Joab, Obadiah, the son of Jehiel, and with him two hundred and eighteen males. And of the sons of Shalomoth, the son of Josephiah, and with him an hundred and threescore males. And of the sons of Bebai, Zechariah the son of Bebai, and with him twenty and eight males. And of the sons of Asgad, Johanan the son of Hakatan, and with him an hundred and ten males. And of the last sons of Adonikam, whose names are these, Eliphalet, Jeiel, Shemaiah, and with them threescore males. Of the sons also of Bigvai, Uthai, and Zabad, and with them seventy males. And I gathered them together to the river that runneth to Ahava, and there abode we in tents three days, and I viewed the people and the priests, and found there none of the sons of Levi. Then sent I for Eliezer, for Ariel, for Shemaiah, and for Elnathan, and for Jareb, and for Elnathan, and for Nathan, and for Zechariah, and for Meshulam, chief men also for Joyrib, and for Elnathan, men of understanding. And I sent them with commandment unto Iddo, the chief at the place Cassophia. And I told them what they should say unto Iddo, and to his brethren the Nethanims at the place Cassophia, that they should bring unto us ministers for the house of our God. And of the good hand of our God upon us, they brought us a man of understanding, of the sons of Malai, the son of Levi, the son of Israel, and Sherebiah with his sons and his brethren, eighteen. And Hashabiah, and with him Jesheah, of the sons of Merari, his brethren and their sons, twenty. Also of the Nethanims, whom David and the princes had appointed for the service of the Levites, two hundred and twenty Nethanims, all of them were expressed by name. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might afflict ourselves before our God, to seek of him a right way for us, and for our little ones, and for all our substance. 
For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us. Now, when it comes to fascinating reading, right here it is in these first 23 verses, genealogies, you got to love them. Well, these are the people who left Babylon with Ezra going back to Jerusalem. They're listed here according to their ancestry. We'll still need some certified Levites, and we have them in verses 15 to 20. Then for the fasting and prayer in verses 21 through 23, before Ezra and his large company actually head for Jerusalem. Why? Well, verse 22 explains it. For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. Ezra had declined to ask the king for protection. Since the king had such great respect for the protecting hand of Ezra's God, he just didn't feel that it was appropriate to ask for protection. And this fast that they ordered right here just seemed like a good way to get right with God and call upon him to protect their journey before they leave. Three days worth of fasting and prayer. In verses 24 through 36, we see that they needed some guards. Then I separated twelve of the chief of the priests, Sherebiah, Hashabiah, and ten of their brethren with them, and weighed into them the silver and the gold and the vessels, even the offering of the house of our God, which the king and his counselors and his lords and all Israel there present had offered. I even weighed into their hands six hundred and fifty talents of silver, and silver vessels and hundred talents, and of gold and hundred talents, also twenty basins of gold, of a thousand drams, and two vessels of fine copper, precious as gold. And I said unto them, Ye are holy unto the Lord, the vessels are holy also. And the silver and the gold are a freewill offering unto the Lord God of your fathers. Watch ye and keep them until you weigh them before the chief of the priests and the Levites, and chief of the fathers of Israel at Jerusalem, in the chambers of the house of the Lord. So took the priests and the Levites the weight of the silver and the gold and the vessels to bring them to Jerusalem into the house of our God. Then we departed from the river of Bahava on the twelfth day of the first month to go into Jerusalem. And the hand of our God was upon us, and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy, and of such as lay in wait by the way. And we came to Jerusalem, and abode there three days. Now the fourth day was the silver and the gold and the vessels weighed in the house of our God by the hand of Merimoth, the son of Uriah the priest, and with him was Eleazar, the son of Phinehas, and with them was Jozebad, the son of Jeshua, and Noadiah, the son of Benui, Levites, by number and by weight of every one, and all the weight was written at that time. Also the children of those that had been carried away, which were come out of the captivity, offered burnt offerings unto the God of Israel, twelve bullocks for all Israel, ninety and six rams, seventy and seven lambs, twelve he-goats for a sin offering, all this was a burnt offering unto the Lord. 
And they delivered the king's commissions and the king's lieutenants and to the governors on this side of the river, and they furthered the people and the house of God. Well, tax exempt back in chapter 7, verse 24, that's the good clergy news. Now, here's the bad clergy news. The Levites are designated to carry the temple furnishings back to Jerusalem on this 900-mile journey. Who better to guard the temple possession than the Levites, just like the old days? Ezra makes the appropriate appointments. Upon their arrival, they offer burnt offerings to express their thankfulness to God in allowing them to return to Jerusalem. We see in verse 36 that Ezra carried with him the commissions, being the royal edicts, which are delivered to the government officials over that particular region. They're back in their land under the protective decree of the king of Persia. So they're protected from their enemies, but they are not governing themselves independently. At this point in time, they function more as a state within a union than as a nation itself. Then we see in chapter 9, they make a decree about no more marriage to foreigners. Verse 1. Now when these things were done, the princes came to me saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abominations, even of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. For they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands." Yea, the hand of the princes and rulers hath been chief in this trespass. And when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle, and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard, and sat down astonished. There were assembled unto me every one that trembled at the words of the God of Israel, because of the transgression of those that had been carried away. And I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. And at the evening sacrifice I rose up from my heaviness, and having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees, and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God, and said, O my God, I am ashamed and blushed to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespasses grown up into the heavens. Since the days of our fathers have we been in a great trespass unto this day, And for our iniquities have we, our kings and our priests, been delivered into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to captivity, and to a spoil, and to confusion of face, as it is this day. And now for a little space, grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape, and to give us a nail in this holy place, that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. For we were bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia, to give us a reviving, to set up the house of our God, and to repair the desolations thereof, and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. And now, O our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken thy commandments, which thou hast commanded by the servants, the prophets, saying, The land unto which ye go to possess it, it is an unclean land with the filthiness of the people of the lands. 
with their abominations which have filled it from one end to another with their uncleanness. Now therefore give not your daughters unto their sons, neither take their daughters unto your sons, nor seek their peace or their wealth forever, that you may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. And after all that is come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great trespass, seeing that thou, our God, hast punished us less than our iniquities deserve, and hast given us such deliverance as this, should we again break thy commandments and join in affinity with the people of these abominations? Wouldest not thou be angry with us till thou hast consumed us, so that there should be no remnant nor escaping? O Lord God of Israel, thou art righteous, for we remain yet escaped, as it is this day. Behold, we are before thee in our trespasses, for we cannot stand before thee because of this. Now, never mind what our forefathers did. This marriage thing, I mean the marrying of foreigners, it must stop. Then they read the laundry list of forbidden marriages, Deuteronomy 23.3 says, An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. That, of course, was part of the law of Moses. Moreover, we are told in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 17, But thou shalt utterly destroy them, namely the Hittites and the Amorites, the Canaanites and the Perizzites, and the Hivites and the Jebusites, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Of course, Israel didn't drive them out of Canaan when they possessed it in the first place. Consequently, they were still surrounded by these races of people when the exiles returned back to Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, note these verses in Judges chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. says the following, And the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, Hittites, and Amorites, and Perizzites, and Hivites, and Jebusites. And they took their daughters to be their wives, and gave their daughters to their sons, and served their gods. Interestingly enough, David's grandma, Ruth, was in fact a Moabite. And then there was Solomon, a big violator. Notice 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1, which says the following, But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. One thing, though, Egyptians didn't show up in any of these lists of forbidden marriages in the law. Deuteronomy 23.7, as a matter of fact, says, Thou shalt not abhor an Edomite, for he is thy brother, and thou shalt not abhor an Egyptian, because thou wast a stranger in his land. However, since Deuteronomy had been written, there had been quite a lot of negative history with both Egypt and Edom. I guess the officials in Ezra chapter 9 verse 1 just went ahead and threw them in for good measure. It seems like a strange concern in verse 2 when the leaders of the returned exiles come to Ezra talking about the evils of intermarrying with the surrounding folks in such seemingly naive terms by saying this, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. And what about Ezra's reaction to this report in verse 3 when he says, And when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and plugged off the hair of my head, and of my beard, and sat down astonished. 
ouch, that's got to hurt. But here's the point. These people recognize the intent. The intent from the beginning for not intermarrying with the pagans, and it was to prevent religious diversity. These foreigners bring their pagan religions with them. So how long has the practice of marrying heathen women been going on? Well, there's your answer in verse 7. Since the days of our fathers have we been in a great trespass unto this day. That verse is part of the prayer that Ezra prays publicly beginning in verse 6 and extending to the end of the chapter. While they freely acknowledge that their forefathers failed to uphold the marriage policy established by God, these returning exiles, they mean business. They make every good faith attempt to keep it from happening again. So they take the spirit of past commandments, which was the prevention of religious diversity, they lump in the pagan Egyptians and seek to rectify what they view as a significant problem. Well, here's the deal. They meant well. So to top off the new proposition in verses 6 through 15, Ezra prays an emotional prayer in the earshot of everyone, and in that prayer he confesses sin in this matter. Hey, these people are serious about serving their one true God. They simply don't want to take any chance with compromise this time around. Incidentally, this marrying pagan women problem during this era also receives attention in Nehemiah chapter 13 and also again in Malachi chapter 2 verses 10 through 17. So we see in chapter 10 that some of these wives must go. Verse 1. Now when Ezra had prayed and we had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children, for the people wept very sore. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, answered and said unto Ezra, We have trespassed against our God, and have taken strange wives of the people of the land, yet now there is hope in Israel concerning this thing. Now therefore let us make a covenant with our God and put away all the wives and such as are born of them according to the counsel of my Lord and of those that tremble at the commandment of our God and let it be done according to the law. Arise, for this matter belongeth unto thee. We also will be with thee. Be of good courage and do it. Then arose Ezra and made the chief priests, the Levites, and all Israel to swear that they should do according to to this word, and they swear. Then Ezra arose from before the house of God and went into the chamber of Johanna, the son of Eliashib. And when he came thither, he did eat no bread nor drink water, for he mourned because of the transgression of them that had been carried away. And they made proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem unto all the children of the captivity that they should gather themselves together unto Jerusalem. And that whosoever would not come within three days, according to the counsel of the princes and the elders, all his substance should be forfeited, and himself separated from the congregation of those that had been carried away. Then all the men of Judah and Benjamin gathered themselves together into Jerusalem within three days. It was the ninth month, and on the twelfth day of the month, and all the people sat in the street of the house of God, trembling because of this matter, and for the great rain. And Ezra the priest stood up and said unto them, 
Ye have transgressed and have taken strange wives to increase the trespass of Israel. Now therefore make confession unto the Lord God of our fathers, and do his pleasure and separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the strange wives. Then all the congregation answered and said with a loud voice, As thou hast said, so must we do. But the people are many, and it is time of much rain, and we are not able to stand without, neither is this a work of one day or two, for we are many that have transgressed in this thing. Let now our rulers of all the congregation stand, and let all them which have taken strange wives in our cities come at appointed times, and with them the elders of every city, and the judges thereof, until the fierce wrath of our God for this matter be turned from us. Only Jonathan, the son of Asahel, and Jahaziah, the son of Tikvah, were employed about this matter, and Meshulam and Shebatai, the Levite, helped them. And the children of the captivity did so, and Ezra the priest, with certain chief of the fathers, after the house of their fathers, and all of them by their names, were separated, and sat down on the first day of the tenth month to examine the matter. And they made an end with all the men that had taken strange wives by the first day of the first month. So here's the big question at this point in time. Are you a violator of the marriage policy or aren't you? They set up a committee to examine the question of inappropriate marriages. It took several weeks to go through all the families of the exile, but they stuck with it until the task was finished. And why did they do this? Look at Ezra chapter 10 verse 14 in this passage. Let now our rulers of all the congregations stand, let all them which have taken strange wives in our cities come at appointed times, and with them the elders of every city, and the judges thereof, until the fierce wrath of our God for this matter be turned from us. They felt that these men who had intermarried would result in the wrath of God upon them, as in a short fall of rain in verse 13. According to verse 17, the task of ridding these men of their foreign wives took about three months to finally get it all accomplished. In these last verses of Ezra, beginning with verse 18, we find a list of the violators of this marriage covenant. Verse 18, And among the sons of the priests there were found that had taken strange wives, namely the sons of Jeshua, the son of Jozadok, and his brethren, Maaseah, and Eliezer, and Jerob, and Gedaliah. And they gave their hands that they would put away their wives, and being guilty they offered a ram of the flock for their trespasses. And of the sons of Emer, Hanani, and Zebediah, and of the sons of Haram, Maaseah, and Elijah, and Shemaiah, and Jehael, and Uzziah, and of the sons of Pashur, Eliahani, Maaseah, Ishmael, Nethanael, Jazabad, and Elasa, and also of the Levites, Jazabad, and Shemai, and Keleah, the same is Kelita, Pethahiah, Judah, and Eliezer, of the singers also, Elishib, and of the porters, Shalom, Telem, and Uri. Moreover of Israel, of the sons of Perosh, Ramiah, Jeziah, Malchiah, 
and Mayamen, and Eleazar, and Malchijah, and Benaiah, and of the sons of Elam, Madaniah, Zechariah, Jehiel, and Abdi, and Jeremoth, and Eliah, and of the sons of Zatu, Eliaenai, Eliashib, Mataniah, Jeremoth, and Zabad, and Aziza, of the sons also of Bebai, Jehahanan, Hananiah, Zabai, and Athli, and of the sons of Bani, Meshalem, Malak, and Adaim, Jashub, and Sheol, and Ramoth, and of the sons of Pehath Moab, Adnam, Chalal, Benaiah, Maaseah, Madaniah, Bazalel, and Benui, and Manasseh, and of the sons of Haram, Eliezer, Ishajah, Malchiah, Shemaiah, and Shimeon, Benjamin, Malak, Shamariah, of the sons of Hashem, Madani, Mattathah, Zabad, Eliphalet, Jeremiah, Manasseh, and Shemai, of the sons of Bani, Maadai, Amram, and Uel, Benaiah, Bediah, Kalu, Vaniah, Merimoth, Eliashib, Madaniah, Matani, and Jaasah, and Bani, and Benui, and Shemai, and Shelemiah, and Nathan, and Adaiah, Machnadabai, Sheshai, and Sherai, Azarael, and Shelemiah, Shemariah, Shalom, Amariah, and Joseph, of the sons of Nebo, Jael, Mattathiah, Zabad, Zavina, Jadal, and Joel, and Benaiah. All these had taken strange wives, and some of them had wives by whom they had children. So here we have quite a list of violators. Isn't it interesting that their names are immortalized because they married heathen women? The problem doesn't actually get solved here, though. In, in Nehemiah, we see that the problem of intermarrying with the surrounding natives kept recurring. With the help of the numbers found in Nehemiah chapter 7 of the total of the returning exiles, I provide a little table to show you the extent of their intermarriage problem. I'll not read the table to you here, but you can look at the printed table on today's reading, December 24th from BibleTrack.org, and see the extent of the intermarrying that had taken place. As it turns out, there were not that many mixed families to begin with, but none after the three months that we see listed here. They took care of all of it. I wonder what kind of severance package those women received. We see in verse 44 that some of them actually had children by these wives as well. According to verse 3, those women retained custody of their children. Let it be noted that this was a man-made solution to a man-made problem. God did not decree this. 
They were just trying to fix what they had done. And that brings us to the end of our reading in the book of Ezra. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walton.